0: At the church, the Duncans are planning in Berlin. Andy primarily leads the worship, and Jess primarily brings a word. So we're going to get a taste today. She's going to speak in English. Come right on, Jess Duncan. Or Andy's going to come up. I'm giving the update. So, um, yeah, we have been in Berlin. What's today's date? The 14th. So in three days, it will be our fifth year Berlin anniversary, meaning that we've been there for five years. Um, and we are very, very blessed be, to be doing what we're doing. Um, since the last time we've been here, God radically transformed our hearts. I think I had had a conversation maybe with Alan and some other leaders that had asked me, um... Are, are you called to plant a church? And I said emphatically, no. and Absolutely, we're not called to do that. But a little over two years ago, God started really transforming our hearts. And, and um, over the course of that time, we had been discipling believers in multiple churches, um, and God had just put it on our hearts. Let's combine this and call it what it is. Let's, let's do church together with these people. And so September of 2019, We started our house church. We started with about seven people. We grew it to one. It was amazing. Um, But uh, over the course of time, God really started putting in our hearts um, just a, a heart for the Middle East. And Berlin, of the 196 countries that are in the world, Berlin has about 180 countries in that city. And so um, we partnered with another house church and merged them together. And God has blessed us with people from from Iran, from Pakistan, from Afghanistan, from Iraq, from Romania, from Germany, from Argentina, and from the United States that all meet on a weekly basis in our house. And so God has really blessed this. And it's been such a joy to walk them through Scripture. We are now going through the book of John, but we've walked our entire church through the book of Acts, which you're going to get a taste of that today. We've walked them through the book of Acts. We've walked them through the book of Philippians. And now we're in the book of John. And God is radically changing hearts in our church. We're seeing great maturity happen from believers that were frightened to even come out and say they were believers to those that are going into the streets because the Holy Spirit is leading them and sharing Christ with people at the bus station and on the trains in Berlin. And we're just seeing great growth and maturity happening within the believers. And we're excited because hopefully in the next couple years, we're going to be able to split and send people out to start their own house churches within the city and continue the work of the ministry there. And so it's very exciting. We thank you guys. Generations is such a key partner in our ministry and what we do there. And I can't tell you how many times I've referenced back to my time here at Generations Church, specifically to Alan's leadership, Pastor Alan's leadership, and the way that he's loved and the way that he's done things. And that legacy is carried on in our ministry as well within Berlin, Germany. And so we are really, we do feel like we are an an extension of Generations Church ministering abroad. So thank you guys so much for your love, your prayer, your support. We really do thank and love you guys for it. So I'm going to pass this over to my lovely wife, who is, this is her third language, German. And so she's rocking it week after week. So she's not going to do that for you guys today, I don't think. I'm Bessian. No. So I'm going to pass it over to my wife, and she's going to bring the word for us today.
1: All right. (laughs) All right. Good morning. I have to make my computer live here first. Oh so my apologies. Here, Andy, can you make my computer live? I
0: oh. can. Nope, it's not working. Oh, yeah. Okay. All
1: right. Huh, that worked. Great. Oh, that wasn't supposed to be yet. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> so, as Andy said, um, our our uh, intention was not to, to start a church and not to start a house church, and we had Bible studies for about... Uh, about three years before, um, before we officially called it a house church. And uh, one of the things, um, so I'll have to, <laughs> you guys are going to, Pastor Allen's going to love this. We quit going to church for about four months. <laughs> we, uh, we got put through the ringer um, through a couple of things in Berlin. Um, you know, when you step out in faith and you serve God, there is a, there's a lot of backlash um, that comes from that and we had some backlash from a, a local church that we were attending at the time And we were serving in and we just got to a point where we we're like God like I don't even know what we're doing here like what is what is this about and We got it provided us this little garden um, North in the north of Berlin. They have these little Klein in Berlin there's just you know everybody lives in an apartment usually or a condo high-rise in the city, and then people go outside the city, and they spend some time in these little Kleingarten, and uh, so literally, we just moved out to the Kleingarten for like four months, and we just gardened, and we sat in the sun, and we just talked to Jesus, and we just we just rested, and I remember so clearly; I will never ever forget. The Lord said to me one day, I was digging in the dirt, and He said to me, "You, you." I, I was specifically, I'll give you context. Uh, we had just attended this this meeting of this uh, evangelist that came out of Africa, and uh, she'd never once opened her Bible, and it really bugged me. Like, I was really bugged, and I was like, what are you doing? It was, enter- it was entertaining. I'll give you that, but it was not, there was no scripture. There was no teaching the word. There was no nothing, and it was just like, and people were just flocking. Thousands of people were flocking to this meeting. The parking lot was completely full. And in Berlin, that's, that's a rare thing. Like, that's not something that happens every day. And these people were just on the edge of their seats, like, maybe I'll hear a word from God today. Maybe God will speak to me today. And they're just waiting for this woman to come and, like, give them a word. And I'm like, what is up with this? And I was having some words with the Lord after we went there. I I was like, God, I don't get this. I do not understand this. And he said to me, it's because they don't know how to hear my voice for themselves. Uh, And I was like, huh. And then he said to me, you teach them to hear my voice for themselves. It's the Holy Spirit that is our teacher. It is not about who stands on a stage. I don't stand on a stage. I sit in my living room in house church. And we go through multiple languages and we battle through it and we work it out. But you know, that, that moment really changed my life because God really showed me that, you know, there's so many people that are like, if I could just have a word from the Lord, if the pastor would just come and give me a word, if the, the prophet would just come and give me a word. And it's like, you don't need a word from a prophet if you know how to hear the voice of God for yourself. Amen. So that's what the Lord did. So that's the uh, context of us starting our house church. And we have begun to understand something after five years on the mission field. You know, nobody prepares you for this really. Um, we've been on, both Andy and I, those of you who know us, we've been on a gazillion mission trips. I'd been to like 30 plus countries by the time we moved to Berlin. and nobody prepares you for long-term missions (laughs) it is like getting smacked in the face over and over and over again you want to live under the bus you just go on the mission field you're gonna you're gonna get run over a couple of times but you know the, the cool thing about that is that you really do learn how to live not by the flesh not by my own power but really by the holy spirit and so um look Guys, I know this church. I know that you guys have probably had a gazillion teachings on the Holy Spirit, so I apologize. But this is the message that the Lord laid on my heart. And the reason is because we have taken our our house church through the book of Acts. And I have been a Christian for, I don't know, 30 years-ish, something like that. And I grew up in a charismatic Pentecostal church that had, you know, we were all about the Holy Spirit. And I did not understand the Holy Spirit. I did not understand the Holy Spirit until we actually took our house church through the book of Acts and we looked at the word of God and we looked at what does the word of God actually say and what does it actually teach us about the Holy Spirit? And so the Holy Spirit's work is really about transformation. And we can say amen to that all day, but we're like, I still don't really get that, but sure, yeah, all right. So I'm going to explain to you scripturally, through the Word, Amen. what what that looks like biblically, and I want you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter one, verse one through nine, and I am going to be reading from the NIV. You may have a different version. Uh, sometimes, so in house church, we have all these different languages, and uh, <laughs> it's just wheels off. Some we have a we have a great. Um, Woman that, that serves with us in house church, and she grew up as a missionary in Africa. And uh, after our first house church meeting with literally seven different nations represented, all these different languages, all these, and you know, when you have a lot of cultures put together, it gets real interesting. So uh, she grew up in, in West Africa, and she, after, the, after it, she was like, Man, all we needed was a demon possessed lady trying to take the mic, and that would have been Africa. <laughs> I really appreciated that, I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, let's go to Acts 1. Now, Acts 1, Acts, the book of Acts was written by Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Luke. Write that down. All right, in my former book, Theophilus, former book being the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus being a Roman official, somebody who is a wealthy Roman individual, I wrote, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel, a.k.a. are you going to overthrow the Romans? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. This is not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As he, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So let me give you a bit of context. So the Gospels, when we look at the Bible, we have to look at the Bible as a complete work. The Gospels have focused on the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. We can, we can confidently say that Jesus is the main character of the Gospels. Now we see in the book of Acts, Jesus is ascending to the Father to take his place of authority at the right hand of the Father, and he is saying, wait for the Holy Spirit, whom I will send you. Now Jesus had already spoken to his apostles, his disciples, about the Holy Spirit. He had told them in John 14, 15, and 16, he had told them a lot about the Holy Spirit already, but he said the Holy Spirit had not yet come, okay? we'll see that there is, there are, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit hasn't been active. doesn't mean that he wasn't present in different times or in different people, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. So what's the purpose of this? Why, why does Jesus say that he's going to send his Holy Spirit? It's so that we, his disciples, may be witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of his resurrection, Right? The resurrection is the power of God for salvation. And so, and to preach his kingdom in the earth. Okay, so that's not the kingdom of America (laughs) or the kingdom of a particular culture, that is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Jesus has a different culture. And the culture surpasses language, nations, people, groups, geographical areas, Okay? And the common factor is that we we as believers as family, the family of God, members of the kingdom of God have a different identity because of the spirit that is living within us. Okay? We got that? So now our role becomes that we are to be witnesses of Jesus, of his resurrection to the world. Okay? So I'm going to, let me explain to you a little bit the background of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go back to the Old Testament for a minute. And I drew, I made you a little diagram. I hope this helps. All right. In Genesis, in Genesis chapter one, the the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. He was at creation. Because we, as we know, the spirit, the Godhead has three parts, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. All three are present at creation, okay? So we see the Holy Spirit, he's present at creation. Now, what do we see the activity of the Holy Spirit looking like in the Old Testament? There are two specific manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we see in the Old Testament. One of them is that he comes in the form of fire and one of them, the word for spirit actually in the original language is the word breath. Or wind, some people say it's like sound of wind or breath. So we see these manifestations in the Old Testament. For example, the pillar of fire, the guidance of the Lord for his people in the pillar of fire. We see a burning bush of Moses, the guidance of the call of God. That is a representation, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Now, who did the Holy Spirit come upon in the Old Testament? Kings priests, and prophets. There are less, biblically, there are less than 100 people in the entire history of the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit came upon. And it was always kings, priests, and prophets. Okay, so now, after the last prophet, there is a gap of about 400 years before Jesus came where there was no word from the Lord. So that means that the Spirit had not come on on anyone, no no prophets, sorry, for 400 years, and then the Spirit comes on Jesus at his baptism by John the Baptist. So then we have the death, we have the the life of Jesus that was lived fully through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus, we know that Jesus started and, and did his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, He did not start his ministry until he was baptized, until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Okay? And then we see again the Holy Spirit present at the resurrection. Right? So the the Holy Spirit himself witnessed the resurrection. So when we say, I asked, I'm leading a Bible study right now, um, back in Colorado where I'm from. And uh, I asked the, the women in this Bible study, and I said, so... How are you personally a witness of the resurrection? And they're like, uh, I don't know. Got nothing here. So I ask you the same question. Think about this for a second. How are you personally a witness of the resurrection? Because you know what? That's, that was a qualification in the book of Acts for an apostle. They had to be a witness of the resurrection. And he said, Jesus said, you're going to go into all the world, and you're going to be my witnesses, to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So my question to you is what are you a witness of? Transformation, Transformation okay. Because your life has been transformed. Ultimately, because of Jesus and the resurrection. So how, you were not there. I don't think anybody here is 2,000 years old. You know, the power of the Holy yeah. The Holy Spirit was there, and the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So his Spirit bears witness with our spirit, says, this is true. Amen. This is true. Amen. Okay, so now we see Jesus, we just read it in Acts, Jesus is ascending to the Father, and he says to his disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Wait in Jerusalem, because you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit poured out upon after Jesus ascends to heaven? The disciples, okay, yep. So the, the disciples, the initial 120 people in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. And then Peter gets up, as this is on the day of Pentecost, and he shares a message. And it's in Acts 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 17. And Peter's explaining what's going on, because it looks a little strange. And so Peter says, he uses this passage from Joel to explain what is happening. And he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Who is all people? Is it believers only? No. When God says all people, this actually means all people. So he has literally poured out his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost yes, on the church, yes, on believers, yes, on the disciples, but really he has poured out his spirit on the earth because now Jesus has been resurrected and he is in heaven with God and the Holy Spirit is the working through his church, working the works of Jesus on the earth. So really, Pentecost marks a turning point in history in all of history where the Holy Spirit now is not just coming on kings, priests, and prophets, the Holy Spirit is coming upon all people. So what does this mean for us as individuals? So let me help clarify a little bit, what does, what does the work of the Holy Spirit look like? And I will tell you this, we can, we can testify and we, to this. Um, we have seen this in our house church. We have about, we have currently four, uh, four people who are not believers yet. Um, who are coming to our house church, Muslim backgrounds, um, Muslim and Orthodox backgrounds. And, they boy, they're so faithful. (laughs) They're just coming every week. And we're just pouring the word into them. And so uh, we're just, the Holy Spirit's doing the work. You know, he does the work. So I have this little diagram for you guys. I never understood this. So the work of the Holy Spirit in the individual really is a progression. So you see that first one, beside. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of people that don't know Jesus yet. And he, what does he do? He brings conviction of sin. He's the little, he's the voice that that is whispering to someone when they hear the gospel or they hear about Jesus or they, it's like, this is true. Okay, so the, the process of somebody coming to salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of us, and I think we put sometimes a little too much, you all think we put a little too much pressure on ourselves to say all the right things? Okay, yeah, we, we, we do. The, but the point is, is that we are to be witnesses of the resurrection, so let's focus on the main thing, which is Jesus, his life, death, burial, resurrection. We don't, and and with that, guys, when we're witnessing to people, can we just, like, leave politics out of it and leave all this other stuff that we sort of attach to Jesus, you know? And it's like, oh, well, you have to be a Christian and a Republican. If you're not a Republican, you are not a Christian, man. I know a heresy around here. But seriously, (laughs) like, we, we attach all this stuff to Jesus, and then we're, like, confusing people. And so we need to just... Like, let's just proclaim the transformation of the resurrection in us. Like, man, you guys, Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead. He saved me. I am a different person now because of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will do the work in that individual. So then a person comes to the point of salvation and the Holy Spirit comes to live in them. At the point of salvation, the Spirit, and I will, I will show you this biblically in just a minute. I'm going to show you some verse references. But he comes to live in us at salvation. And then he begins the process of transformation. And this is also a process of, we call discipleship, learning to follow Jesus. So let me give you some scripture references so you don't just take my word for it. John 16, 7 and 8 says, but I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking, by the way. It is to your advantage that I, Jesus, am leaving. For if I do not leave, the Helper, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. So whose job is it to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment? It is the Holy Spirit's job. We are to be witnesses of Jesus, witnesses of the resurrection. It is the Holy Spirit's job to bring the conviction. Now, this is an interesting passage of scripture. Uh, this is at the end of John, and scholars, you know, biblical scholars don't agree on a whole lot. They're, there's always debate about certain things. This is one thing that biblical scholars can agree on. That this was actually, after the resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples, and he, let me just read it. He said, so Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, peace be to you. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Most scholars, all Pretty much all scholars will agree that this is the point of salvation for the disciples because the resurrection had happened and Jesus appeared to them and breathed his Holy Spirit into them. So when we have come to the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. This is also in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That word seal is like a stamp in the Roman world where you dip wax on something and you stamp it. And that stamp identifies the owner. So. What he's saying is that he has put his spirit in us as a deposit, as a stamp, a seal of ownership on us when we come to Jesus. Now, we see in Matthew 3.11, there is an upon, okay? So we talked about the Holy Spirit beside an individual convicting of sin and and convincing of the truth of Jesus. We talked about the Holy Spirit coming in to an individual, and now we're talking about the Holy Spirit coming on. And this is where Jesus talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, now this is John the Baptist prophesying. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then we just read in Acts 1, 4 through 5, on one occasion when he, Jesus, was eating with them, the disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. Now, Andy, you can bring the table up And no, Jack, I'm not eating the cucumbers, but thank you <laughs> Jackson cut up the cu- cucumbers for me and he's like, "Is she just going to eat these cucumbers or she stands on stage?" Yes, no. All right let me okay let me let me give you a very real example of this. The concept of baptism in the New Testament means full immersion for the purpose of transformation. That is what the word actually means and implies so This is a cucumber. Everybody knows what a cucumber looks like. This is some ranch dressing here. So you can take this cucumber and you can dip it in the ranch dressing. And probably has a little more flavor, tastes a little better, looks a little different, right? Is this still a cucumber? Okay. Is the cucumber any different? No, you just put some ranch on it. Okay? So this is like somebody who, you know, gives your life to Jesus, put a little Jesus on my life. I'm good. Got some ranch on me. Tastes a little better, but haven't changed the essence of the cucumber. Now, I also have a jar of pickles right here. Is this a cucumber? Mm -hmm. What's happened to this cucumber? pickled. We all need to be be pickled for Jesus. (laughs) What happens in the process of this, you put a cucumber, if you want to make a pickle, Berlin has really good pickles, by the way. Uh, If you want to make a pickle, you take a cucumber and you immerse it into salt, vinegar, maybe some spices. And the salt and the vinegar begin to get into the pickle, the cucumber. And it starts to change it. Is it still a cucumber? Yeah. But it's useful for something different. I personally do not like cucumbers on my burgers. but I do like pickles on my burgers. This is what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It means that your life looks different. It means that you're not just a cucumber covered with some ranch dressing. A lot of Christians are a cucumber with, covered with ranch dressing. And this is what the Holy Spirit does to us. He changes us. He makes us useful for something different, and this process is not overnight. It takes some time. You have to leave the cucumber in there a little bit in order for it to get, to absorb the salt, the vinegar, to get the flavor. And that's what it means when we spend time with the Lord, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're being pickled. And it's not just a one-time altar call, come up here, and everybody lay hands on. That can, be, that, can, that can be good. That can be effective. But it's a daily being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, being transformed. So what are the results of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I have some verses up here for you, but there's really four main things that we see in Scripture that are the results of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Number one is guidance. We all need some guidance, right? We, Lord, what do I do? Oops, shouldn't do that. Huh. Lord, what do I do? How, I don't know, should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should I... The word says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right and turn to the left. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. When we spend time in the pickle jar, he tells us what we need to know. We also see scripturally boldness. Anybody remember what Peter was like before, before Pentecost, before the baptism of the Holy Spirit on his life? He had denied Jesus like two months earlier. Denied Jesus and really stuck his foot in his mouth pretty often and then at the day of Pentecost we see Peter stand up and preach a very eloquent sermon, very well-spoken and 3,000 people come come to the Lord. That's some transformation right there. But there was great boldness. In Acts 4.31 it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We also see power. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there will be great power. Now, Acts 4.33, 33 also said, with great power, the apostles continued to testify, again, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Now, I think we get a little bit confused about this sometimes. We we think about power, and certainly in, in Acts and throughout the New Testament, we see great power at work through the apostles and through the church, in the form of signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, lame people standing up and walking, I mean, just amazing, amazing stuff, right, that we see. So we, I think we always associate power of the Holy Spirit with, well, I need to be working signs, wonders, and miracles. And if I'm not working signs, wonders, and miracles, I don't have the power of God in my life. But what about the power of God to say no to sin? What about the power of God to break addiction? What about the power of God to, say, to turn off the TV? The Holy Spirit, there are things that the Holy Spirit can do in an individual's life that we are not able to do. We do not, of our own power, have the power to break off certain things over our lives. There are certain things, we can all agree, that are very, very, very difficult to overcome. And it could be as simple as, you know what, I have tried and tried and tried to quit drinking soda and I just cannot do it. I have tried and tried and tried to get my life healthy and I cannot do it. The Holy Spirit has the power to do that in your life. And when you sit in the pickle jar and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and he he becomes, he does the work through the word of God in your life he will give you the power to break off sin and addiction in your life. And it's not just the power to say no to sin, but it's the power to say yes to Jesus. It's the, when Jesus says, go this way, and you go, I don't really want to go that way. Oh, ah! he gives you the power to go that way. And the last thing we see in scripture is we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We all love this one, don't we? So we see gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is the manifestations of the work of God on earth to further the kingdom of God. Now I want you to just briefly, as we're kind of finishing up here, we're gonna look at that really quick. This is actually in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. So if you have your Bible, I would ask you to turn there because it's always better when you're looking at your own Bible. And I'm gonna read this to you because I want, we have, some, we have some confusion on what this is for. Look, I know, I grew up in the Pentecostal church. I know all about the gold dust. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit have a specific purpose biblically and we need to understand what that is. In verse seven. Now to each one individuals, the manifestation of the spirit is given, key key phrase, for the common good. To one there is given through the spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by another means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues or languages, to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So here I've given you a little example. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, And the key thing here is that he gives to each one, he gives these things to individuals as he determines, not as we conjure it up. He gives them when he wills, when he wants, for his purpose, and it's always for the common good, meaning the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, I was we were in this, in a church um, in Berlin. This is a very prominent church that is planting, it's it's a church network that is planting churches across Europe. And I was sitting in a service and the main pastor from New Zealand, the main guy over all of these church plants throughout Europe, he was preaching a message on the Holy Spirit. And he got up and he said, he said these exact words, I will never forget it, he was speaking English and I was like, he said, when I get up in the morning, I tell the Holy Spirit what to do, otherwise he'd be lazy. Andy had to hold me down. I was like, heresy! Andy literally has nails dug and, do not stand up, do not stand up. We do not command God. We do not tell God the Holy Spirit, what to do. And if he decides that somebody needs to be healed and he says to you, I want you to go lay hands on that person and pray for healing, you do it. You do it. And if he doesn't, you don't go, I have the gift of healing. I'm going to pray for that person to have healing because I'm going to do it because I have the gift of healing. If he didn't tell you to do it, don't do it. He determines this. He's the one. I'm telling you, the same church, everybody in the moment wanted to prophesy. And ha- like 90% of the stuff was like, I don't think that's from the Lord. <laughs> you know, we have to test these things. These are not just like whenever I want, however I want, how- whatever I want, I tell the Holy Spirit what to do. No, 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 no. He tells us what to do. And when we're pickled, we can hear him. We know what his voice sounds like. Yeah. And so when he says, I have a word for you, you're gonna give a word of knowledge to this person or you're gonna have a word of wisdom, we know his voice. Yeah. And so we go, okay, and we, we obey. Okay, we got, the, we got that a little flipped around sometimes in the church, don't we? we? Get Just a little bit, let's just correct that little thinking. It's as he determines, not as we determine. All right, so let me just give a couple of things that is not what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. So we already talked about this. We do not command or place demands on God. It is also not our role to convict or change people. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. He's the one. You know, you guys, I know, and this is a fine line because there is a role, there is a place for correction in the, in the context of discipleship. But this is not a like clean up your life so you can come to Jesus. Or I see this glaring sin in your life and so therefore I'm gonna convict you of it. No, 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 you just lead people to Jesus. You teach him how to hear the voice of God. You, you disciple him in the word of God and he'll take care of it. And the third thing is not about what gifts he chooses to give you. The the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's not about the gifts. Is that part of it? Yeah, it is. But it really is about the life transformation. This is what it's about right here. And so as we close, I just want to ask you, perhaps you are here and you haven't had you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, and, or you've kind of, not really, kind of like ah maybe about that. But when you when you're hearing today, you're hearing the Holy Spirit whisper to you. Maybe He's alongside you, and, he, and He's whispering to you, this is true. This Jesus guy, He's He's real. He has a real thing for you. He He really He died. He rose from the dead, and He offers forgiveness. And so when we pray in a minute, I just want you to, wherever you're at, I want you to just pray and ask God, Jesus, I just believe in you, and I'll look to you, and i ask you to forgive me of my sins. Holy Spirit, would you come to live on the inside of me? And then there's others of you that you are a cucumber covered with ranch. And there's not really been a lot of life transformation You've still got some addictions, you've still got some, some stuff, some junk in your life that you just haven't been able to get over. And we're not gonna do an altar call for being filled with the Holy Spirit in case you were wondering, we're not. But I want you to do this, we're gonna pray and I want you to just ask Jesus, Jesus, would you just pickle me? Would you just transform me? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you give me the power to be different, to change? And then I'm going to ask you to do this. When you go home today, would you just go in your room and close the door and get with the Lord and just just ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit? Open the word and then just do that every day. One day at a time. Just do it every day. And he'll get into you. He'll change you. may take some time, but he's faithful to do it. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are here. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. You are the one who convicts us. You are the one who transforms our lives. You are the one who guides us who gives us boldness, who gives us power over sin. You give us gifts, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you, to say yes to Jesus, whatever you ask us to do, Lord. And I just give you this time, Lord. I pray that if there is anyone here that does not know you or has not really said yes to Jesus, I just ask right now that, Holy Spirit, you would come alongside them, that you would be beside them, whispering to them, this is true. This message of Jesus is true, and it's for you. So if that's you, I just want you to pray, Jesus, would you just forgive me? Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe in you. I commit my life to you. I ask you to come in and change me. Come in and forgive me. the Holy Spirit as a deposit, a stamp of ownership. And then I just ask, Holy Spirit, would you just come and convict us? Those of us that have been following you for a while, would you just come and would would you shine light on the areas that need light? Would you make clear to us where we need to still be transformed? right where you're at, just say, Jesus, would you pickle me? Would you transform me? Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me? Would you give me the power to say no to sin? The power to change? Would you give me the power, the boldness to be a witness of Jesus? Jesus. Would you help me to be obedient to you whenever you ask?